Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my guy Yazin with me. What's goody, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. doing a lot better than uh, Madison Square Garden security. <laughs> They're not having a good run of things lately. Yeah, I don't know. What's going on with Madison Square Garden? I think I think maybe the security crew is just taking their anger out, just knowing the fact that James Dolan is their employer. I, I don't know what it is. Well, can you enlighten us on that? I don't know. Maybe he cut their vacation pay or, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but clearly they have an out for former NBA legends. I don't understand how you don't recognize seven foot Patrick Ewing who ran the garden for almost 20 years. But goodness me, I'm doing a lot better than that. I will say. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to sabotage their own employment to get that stimulus check, perhaps. Hey, man, maybe maybe Dolan's holding back on them and they need that stimmy to live. But I mean, yeah, goodness yeah. me. Could you believe that we're like halfway through this NBA season already? And speaking of Madison Square Garden, the Knicks are holding on to a playoff spot and it's March. Could you believe that? Yeah. Can, can I believe? Oh, we're going to talk about it today. I can't. We're going to talk. Oh, no, I cannot. <laughs> let's just say this is a truly one special season. So let's just leave it at that. We'll discuss some further later. But I just wanted to get to the point and talk about a famous philosopher by the name of Fataheitis, and he has mentioned that you miss 100% of the beats you don't drop. So you already know what time it is. Droppeth the beats. through memory lane uh, since we're considering that we're halfway through the season we want to have our mid-season review obviously if you caught our first episode we were able to provide our predictions for the 2020-2021 NBA season and now let's just go ahead and revisit that to see if anything has changed if there was any disappointment or, or whatever the case may be so with that said I think we'll start off with the mid-season review of each of the awards and then talk about whether it was a hit or miss based off our predictions earlier in the season. So Yazin, I can kick it off to you. Maybe we can talk about the MVP. Yeah, MVP. Uh, I think we both had Luka Doncic as our MVPs this year. We both thought that he would take a, a huge step forward and become just an elite superstar. Uh, no knock on Luka Doncic, but I mean, the Mavericks have not been playing up to par for for an NBA caliber season. Uh, he hasn't gotten a lot of help from his supporting cast. And, you know, a lot of the times that is very important that your MVP numbers get conflated if you have a, a good team. And and if, if you don't have that kind of supporting cast, it doesn't look as good. So do I think Luka has a chance to win MVP? I don't think so. Not with the Mavs at sitting at eight right now, possibly could miss the playoffs. So I think we we probably missed the boat on there. It was sound judgment, you know, on our end. But uh, yeah, his teammates are not giving him that MVP nod. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, everyone kind of knew that Luka Doncic was going to take that next step considering the absolute amazing play he had in the bubble last season. And it's really tough because when you look at the COVID outbreak that has occurred with the Mavericks, it kind of held Luka back of the MVP race. But I don't know if there's going to be a chance that he can maybe turn some heads. And again, considering just how far back he is, 
I, I think that the midseason award for the MVP will go to Joel Embiid. He's been absolutely balling for the first place 76ers, averaging career highs in virtually every statistical category that you can think of. You know, considering the way Joel Embiid has been criticized as a big who doesn't really like to get down low, you can see this year he has somewhat of a will to impose players with a sheer size in the paint. And it's yielding some great results. So kudos to Joel Embiid and, you know, actually doing a big man job and actually going down low and punishing whoever's in your way and ultimately yielded to great results. They're first in the East and no one has really a blueprint to really stop him at this point. So he's my MVP thus far. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta agree with Embiid. I mean, it, you know, the the race is still kind of wide open. You got, you know, Embiid there. You have to think about a guy like James Harden, who you know still has Brooklyn playing really well. Giannis's name is always going to be up there. Although, you know, again, it's sometimes when we talk about a guy who just coming off of an MVP season when it's a little bit worse, you kind of take his name off the list. Uh, you know, you have teams like Utah and Phoenix playing really well, but. That's more of a, a team effort there. LeBron has the Lakers doing uh, really good, playing really good basketball at the third seed right now. But I think it's it's Embiid's to lose at this point. Philadelphia is is the best team in the East, and and they're doing it through him. He's getting help obviously from Ben Simmons and uh, you know Tobias Harris and a lot of those guys. But Embiid is is showing a real you know step forward in his ability to just completely punish guys down low. He's very fluid in the paint you know it's it's not the same move over and over again so uh yeah if we're gonna have to go with a revised mvp i would probably say joel Embiid as well yeah i agree i mean there's a lot of dark horses in this race i mean when you're looking at a guy like kyrie irving you know who's been absolutely balling this year too despite the mishaps earlier in the season he's been showing why he's one of the best point guards in the league and same goes with james harden you know transferring over to a new environment, new team, new playbook. And, you know, he's still able to not only provide the same numbers for the most part, other than the scoring, but he's doing it at such an efficient rate. And you can see that he's way more refreshed on the defensive end as well. So, I mean, and then you obviously you look at Joe Kitch and, uh, and a couple other key players in this race. So again, uh, I do agree with you. It's wide open for as of right now, but, it's Joel Embiid's award to lose at this point. As for the the Defensive Player of the Year award, I originally had Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, considering the way the Lakers have elevated themselves in terms of winning the championship last year in the bubble. I thought that with the additions of Schroeder and Harrell and even Marcus Gasol to a lighter extent, that they're going to be a well-rounded defensive team being anchored by AD. And again, he hasn't been playing to a superstar level and injuries is a a really big reason why that's the case. It's quite literally holding him back from playing to his superstar level. So with that said, I can't remember who your defensive player of the year is, but maybe you can just chime in on that side. Yeah, it was also Anthony Davis. Uh, I thought that this year was his year to finally, finally get through. And for a guy who plays as, as good perimeter D and, uh, you know, defense in the paint, and he's been a superstar for as long as he has been. The fact that he had never gotten an MV, uh, defensive MVP award was it's kind of shocking, but his injuries have kind of slowed him down. I think today a report came out that he's going to be out for maybe another three weeks. So it's not going to help his cause. And, you know, with a lot of different guys who are playing well, I think Rudy Gobert right now is the favorite to win defensive player of the year again. 
Uh, and I'm going to probably give it to him really off the backs of the fact that the Utah Jazz are playing so well. He's doing it defensively. The whole team's doing it defensively. Uh, he, he's he's improving. And, you know, I guess he's kind of taken that flack that he got, the coronavirus flack that he got almost a year ago today, and he's taken it to heart. And you've seen that now. He's playing aggressively. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. And, and he's not letting guys score on him very easily. And, you know, he's he's looking like he's going to win uh, his third defensive player of the year award and uh, you know what kudos to him to for blocking out the noise and for uh being able to put himself in a position to be the favorite to win that award this year yeah i don't know if it's just me or Shaq has started to influence me a little bit because i don't know i think the more and more i watch rudy gobert play the more and more i just despise him i don't know it's just <laughs> maybe it's that 13 points per game 200 million dollar talk that's getting into my head i don't Ugh. know i don't know kind doesn't of my help judgment. <laughs> it's that it's it's the touching the mics i mean he's 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 still public enemy number one for no i mean no real fault of his own but yeah add that together and it's a recipe for for an evil evil villain in the nba yes no no i definitely agree and and yes rudy gobert is um that one anchor on the defensive end that is clearly showing what it's worth considering that the utah jazz are i think top three defensively in the league and propel themselves as the number one team in the Western Conference as it stands currently. But I'm going to take a different approach. Uh, I'm actually looking at someone from the Eastern Conference and a team that we just touched upon earlier. Uh, This player is Ben Simmons. Considering the way the 76ers are playing this year, obviously offensively, Joel Embiid imposing as well, like I mentioned earlier. But we got to talk about, you know, the second guy here, Ben Simmons. Although he doesn't provide anything on the offensive end, you can see truly the benefit he's providing to the team on the defensive end, you know, being able to do it all, quote-unquote. And and obviously it's no surprise as to how versatile he is guarding literally one through five with his sheer size and strength and, and quickness. So I think it's time that Ben Simmons gets his flowers and depending on how things go throughout the course of the year, if everything stands as is, I think that Ben Simmons might be able to turn more heads than Rudy Gobert at this point. So I'm going to go ahead with the midseason award for Defensive Player of the Year to Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, he he says he's the best defensive player in the league. So, I mean, put up or shut up at this point. And hey, if you can't shoot a three-pointer, at least be able to defend the wing. So, I mean, you got to make up for it somehow and compensate for that. Yeah, at least he's not useless, you know, like he's he's elite (laughs) in every aspect of the game other than shooting. And again, like we always beat that we're beating that horse here. But, you know, you need you need to have some kind of ability to shoot the basketball in today's NBA. And obviously, I'm not going to let him go off the hook on that. But I feel like his defensive presence needs to be recognized. And I feel like this year could be the year that he can once again turn more heads than the others in terms of winning the defensive player of the year award. He's doing it so far. He's got to keep it up. Mm-hmm. So let's head on over to Rookie of the Year. I'm sure you know how I feel about this before the season. And, you know, things haven't changed. Actually, it got a little worse, you know, being a, a big BB enthusiast, right? For lack BB's of a better finest, term. Lamella, <laughs> yeah. BBB's finest, LaMelo Ball, man. You know, he's always showed some type of star potential. And again, I think it was kind of early to see where things will go. But, you know, just believing in the ability that he has currently and the potential that he holds, I had a feeling that it posed more on the table than any other rookie that has come into 
the year this year. And he's helped elevate the Charlotte Hornets into the thick of the Eastern Conference. I mean, they've been a laughing stock over most of the last two decades, right? Other than some blimps of, you know, watching Gerald Wallace at one point and then, you know, watching Kemba Walker around 2014, 2015. But now it's like, I feel like the, the franchise has turned over a new leaf and finally has that superstar box office attraction in LaMelo Ball and, He's been off the charts. I mean, he's leading in almost every rookie statistical category thus far. Sky's the limit for him. And now he he was inserted into the starting lineup. I really hope that we could see how he can elevate his game once games do start to matter, which would be, you know, towards the tail end of the season into the playoffs. So, again, really looking forward to see what he can do. But he's my rookie of the year thus far. Nothing has changed. How about you? So this one, this one hurts me. I initially picked Obi Toppin as my Rookie of the Year. Oh no, you did it! No, you did what was that? And he is looking so lost on the floor right now. It's shocking. It's I don't. Hey, watch your mouth. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, you know, when he came out of Dayton, he was he was a dominant. He was very dominant. He was a great three point shooter. You know, he he dominated the paint. Uh, he was a go-to guy. And now when I see him on the floor, his automatic instinct is to just pass it and set a pick for someone away. Like, Obi Toppin is, is not the rookie of the year this year. And it, it is it does hurt, you know. But with that being said, I'm I'm going to give the slight, the slightest of slight nods to LaMelo Ball over Emmanuel quickly. And here's why. Uh, oh like you goodness. said... Let, hold, hold, so hold, hold your horses. Okay, listen, don't owe me, you, my goodness, me. Emmanuel quickly is averaging nearly this very close numbers to LaMelo Ball this year. The only difference is LaMelo's getting way more playing time than, than Emmanuel quickly. He's, he, LaMelo is leading rookies in pretty much all statistical categories except for blocks, I think. So points, rebounds, assists, and steals, which is incredible to think of. Uh, you know, like you said, like you said a couple weeks ago, he's what everyone thought Lonzo Ball would be. He has the Hornets in the Eastern Conference playoff picture when no one really had them there. He's starting now. He's the focal point of that offense again. And for that reason, I'm going to give it to him over Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly, in the short time he's been playing, in the short minutes he's been getting behind a logjam of guards and that bum Alfred Payton, and they just brought in D. Rose, my boy Frank Nilakina. Like, it's hard for, for, for Quickly to, to really get a groove in and uh, apparently tonight he's starting against the Nets. He's getting his first start. Uh, maybe he gets that job and, and never gives it back, but just off the sample size now and the fact that their playing times are so different, I'm going to give the slight edge to LaMelo ball, but I would not be surprised if by the end of the season, it's a coin flip. Yeah. I just don't know about that because obviously Emmanuel quickly has had a pretty good season despite the limited minutes, but I don't think the rookie of the year should be looked at based off of, how efficient you are with the minutes that you have. I mean, LaMelo Ball, like you said, and like I mentioned previously, he's leading in almost every single statistical category. Despite whatever minutes he plays, he still is able to produce and produce at a high level and getting Charlotte into into the playoff race. So I feel like all those combined with some of the the flashiness in this game is obviously going to attract the media. It's going to attract... Um, right. front office officials or or whoever the case may be personnel who would be responsible in the vote so 
it's unfortunate that Quickly is in this situation, but I'm sure if he had a bulk of the starting minutes with the New York Knicks, then it could be a coin flip. But I can't see being a coin flip considering how deep we are in the regular season unless Emmanuel quickly starts averaging like 30 points per game from here on out. Um, it's going to be tough because LaMelo Ball do, really does everything. He does. I mean, even Anthony Edwards is playing well, but I think the fact that Minnesota is the worst team in the league probably doesn't help his case for Rookie of the Year. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay giving that award to LaMelo Ball. I think he's earned it. Uh, you know, in, in, in this sort of draft class, he's he's showing that he was really coveted uh, for a reason. And you know, quickly, is a nice story. He's a 25th pick overall out of Kentucky, second-year guy. Normally, guys don't stay their second year in Kentucky, but it worked for him. I think quickly is going to make his name in the NBA. Uh, he might even be the future starting point guard for the Knicks. But LaMelo this year, you know, given everything sort of all-encompassing, yeah, I'm okay with switching that to, uh, to LaMelo for rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So for coach of the year, I think we were on the same page on this one prior to the season start. The Phoenix Suns acquiring... Chris Paul to kind of change the culture and change the direction in which the franchise is heading, we knew that there was going to be success that would be on the way, considering what has happened with Oklahoma City Thunder last year in the bubble, the fact that they were able to not only shock people and win games, but to force a playoff spot and force the Rockets into a seven-game series nearly to the last second. And I believe with that case, we we selected Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns. This was both our prediction, I believe, and he has lived to expectations. You know, he led the Suns to the second place in the West, and I believe that there are they are more than equipped to perhaps have a deep Western Conference playoff run. We shall see, but so far, they've not only lived expectations, but they exceeded it. I didn't expect that they're going to be second in the West. I thought they were going to be along the lines of, you know, four, five, six, maybe seventh. But, you know, they they showed the world what's up and uh, they're playing at an exceptionally high level. It's, it's going to be awesome. So uh, Phoenix Suns, oh, yeah. Monty Williams. Yeah, I we were, we were in agreement then and I think we're in agreement now. Uh, no one had Phoenix this high up. I mean, we both had them in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. I think I might have had them uh, as a sixth seed or a seventh seed. But, I mean... The second seed over the Lakers, over the Clippers, Chris Paul putting up MVP consideration right now. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta think of him when 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 we talk about that race too, because his value is is so much when you compare where they were last year to where they are this year. Last year they were they were just on the precipice of making the playoffs. They were they were right there. They you know were undefeated in the bubble and everything, but uh, this year. Uh, with Chris Paul, with some of the additions, uh, and I guess you know, with Monty Williams, Monty Williams has always proved that he's a he's a good coach. You know, he he was a coach for the Pelicans. He's he's never been a, a necessarily bad coach. I think now that he has a good team, you're starting to see how well of a coach he really is, and how beloved he is by his players. So we're definitely in agreement. Monty Williams, I think he's still far and away the coach of the year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So um, looking forward to see what the Phoenix Suns can do in the West. Uh, I want to see some chaos, a bloodbath of some sort. And and that's going to add to the legacy of Chris Paul as well. So it's going to be exciting for sure. It's, uh, it is. it is, But um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be wild. So who do you have for uh, for most improved player? I think this is our last award or second to last award. Second uh, last award. Yeah. So award. my improved my most improved player 
I remember we discussed about this previously, and it just came back to me now who my most improved player was, and that was DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns. And based off what I see thus far, it's been quite a disappointment to say the least. I think he's regressed statistically, averaging 14-11, but that could be just the sacrificial lamb in ensuring that everyone else eats, um, especially in the West, you know, considering, you know, they got guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and others who are more than capable of scoring and also spreading out the offense. But I thought with the addition of Chris Paul and, you know, his elite pick and roll play, I thought that DeAndre Ayton was going to be that guy. And uh, frankly, uh, he hasn't lived up to expectations, which is quite disappointing. But now looking at the midseason review, I believe uh, it's going to be painful, but... Oh, no. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Rulius Jandel. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, can't give him, I can't give him the respect to say his full name, but you know what? He did it. He, wow. He's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. I got I, I to gotta, I gotta give him kudos. He's doing his thing, but the guy who shall not be named is my most improved player as of right now, but things will change. That's the reason why wow. they don't award mid-season awards. They award <laughs> season awards. So if that means that will make you happy that Rulius Jandel is the MIP, then so be it. I need I'll that on a that. T-shirt. I need Rulius Jandel on a T-shirt. Uh, someone make it happen for us. I, yeah. I'm shocked. I... I did not think you were going to go with Julius Randle. I really did not think. And, I mean, gosh, I am I went with Michael Porter Jr. in the beginning of the season. I'm just going to skate past that. Michael Porter Jr. is not playing well at all. Uh, you know, Denver's, like, kind of middling and, and up, up at the, uh, you know, sort of halfway point of the season. It's not going to be Michael Porter Jr. It is Julius Randle, guys. Guys, believe the hype. Okay, let's let's break it down a little bit, right? Let's look at his statistics. If you look at his just statistics, you're going to think, how is this guy the most improved player? He's only averaging about three points more per game, two rebounds more a game, three assists more a game, and he's shooting about 10% higher from three. You think, okay, that's great. Good job. Well done. But it's not the statistics that's important. It's the impact on the game that he has. He's completely changed his entire offensive skill set to match this team's uh, high, you know, intensity play. Before we were talking about the Beyblades going in, spin move, lose the ball, dribble, ISO frustrated, lose. You know that was Julius Randle before, and that's why he took it upon himself. And you, I think he wrote in the Players Tribune, he was like, "I, you know, I got ridiculed last year, and I deserved to get ridiculed last year, but." You know, I I was going to work hard, and I wanted to be that guy on this team. And the way he plays is bully ball. He gets in the paint. He forces it down their throats. He has a baby floater, jumper, you know, in the key. His three-point clip is very dependable at this point. And he's the leader of that team. He's the first Knicks All-Star since Kristaps Porzingis. He has the team in the playoff hunt. It has to be him. You know, when you're looking at... Most improved player. There's a lot of guys on bad teams that are very much improved. I had Jeremy Grant, who I thought maybe I can put him as most improved because he's nearly doubled his his output on offense. But he plays for the Pistons, and they're the worst team in the East. You look at a guy like Christian Wood, also averaging 10 points more per game, four rebounds more per game, but he's been injured, and the 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 Rockets are abysmal. So when you put it all together, not only is he the most improved player as a player, but he's most improved for his team too. 
it's, it's Julius Randle. He's the most improved player, and the sky's the limit. I'm so happy you said that, boy. Ooh-wee. Do you think that Zach Levine would be part of that conversation as well? Because that was kind of the other candidate of mine that I had in consideration for most improved player because he's been playing well as of late, but this year it looked like he took his game to an, literally another stratosphere. Like it, it was absolutely nuts, obviously getting his first all-star berth, but I think the fact that the Bulls aren't as high in the Eastern Conference, they're still hanging in there, but they, I guess they didn't have the same success as the Knicks have currently right now, so that's why I kind of gave the edge to Julius Randle. They're, yeah, they're I, only I, two I games know. back of them, so I, I'd put him in that in that same echelon. If they make the playoffs, it'll definitely help his case a lot more. That team is kind of, there's a lot of other issues besides Zach Levine that are going on. They just subbed out Kobe White and Wendell Carter for uh, Thomas Sedaransky and another player, I forget who, but... Um, Thaddeus Young, yeah. I believe. Thaddeus Young, correct. Yeah, so, I mean, Levine is, is up there, I would say, and it, it also depends on the success of the Bulls. So, as of now, I, I think Randall has, you know, has the keys to the car, and he's going to continue to put up numbers, and the team's going to continue to rely on him. So, yeah, he's he's the most improved player. Can't believe you agreed with me. For now. I mean, there's a reason why I said that it's a midseason award and not a regular season. If he, if he gets a regular season award, then you know what? I'm going to have to ditch the hate. But as of right now, you know, I'm just kind of... Give the man his flowers. Give the man his flowers. I got to give him the shock treatment. I need to see something in the playoffs. I don't want to see anything other than that. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's let's head on over to the last uh, award, which we have is six man of the year. Who did you have as a six man of the year this year? And has anything changed midseason? Um, yeah, my sixth man of the year was Tyler Hero uh, of the Miami Heat. I mean, the Heat are a lot better. They're actually on a tear right now. They've won nine out of their last ten. Um, but I don't think it's on the back of Tyler Hero. I think it's on the back of, of uh, Jimmy Butler. So I would probably switch my sixth man of the year as well. And I look at another team that's top in the in the NBA. I look at the Utah Jazz, and you look at Jordan Clarkson. 17.5 points a game. He's shooting almost 40% from three, which is incredible. He's converts on you know, over three three-point attempts in the per game. He's he's on a tear. You know, coming off the bench, when you have to replace the efficiency of a Donovan Mitchell and a Mike Conley, you know, that team is only as good as their bench can be because they can't play 48 minutes. So Clarkson comes in, he's a pure scorer. He can easily start on a sort of a bottom feeder team too. And even a lot of these middling teams, like he, he could be starting with it. I think that's what the key to the six man of the year award is. It's someone who's good enough to be a starter, but he comes off the bench, right? Uh, and I think that's Jordan Clarkson for me this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, he's been an absolute beast for the Utah Jazz. Like he's providing that offensive punch to an already loaded bench. And I think this year he really deserves it. I can't think of from the top of my head if there's anyone else that's close right now. There's I, someone I, I can think, think of. I'm surprised you haven't named. How about Chris Boucher of uh, of the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, I think he's too good to be a six man of the year, to be honest. And I, too I had to put him as like, hey, who earth is this? <laughs> you know How? what? I I think that. You know what? Forget forget about Julius Randall. I'm gonna put Chris Boucher as my most improved oh, player. How you about that? Bastard. <laughs> I shouldn't have no, brought but, his no, name up. <laughs> no, but he's having a, a good season. Uh, Chris Boucher, he's able to shoot the three ball. Elite shot blocker, to say the least. And I think the reason why 
some people may not consider him under that scope is because of the fact that the Raptors aren't playing so well right now. But part of the reason, or at least the big reason why they're struggling at this point is due to the COVID outbreak and losing guys like OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam, just to name a few, does really hurt the offense. So obviously he had a lot of shot selection as well as time to elevate his game to another level. And again, he's playing absolutely well, but I'm kind of worried as to those who are going to be conducting the vote is going to consider like the production of the player with the success of the team. And I feel like right now it doesn't go hand to hand as of yet. If the Raptors were, let's say, in the middle of the pack in the East, then I would definitely consider Chris Boucher as a serious six man of the year candidate. Originally, I had the combination of either Karis Levert or Spencer Dinwiddie, basically someone from the Nets. But Levert is with the Pacers and Dinwiddie's hurt and solely neck deep in Bitcoin talk. Oh, come on, man. It looks like it's not happening. So Jordan Clarkson has been absolutely hooping and uh, he deserves that six man of the year award. Yeah, I mean, you probably picked those those two nets off the fact that we had no idea that James Harden was going to be there. And, you know, here we are. Neither of them are playing right. on the nets right now. So, yeah, no I mean, it, it makes sense. It all, it, all, it all makes sense in the end. Mm-hmm. Our picks weren't very far-fetched anyway. So, you know, I'm keeping my head high and uh, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Julius Randle, most improved. Oh, get out of here. All right, so that so that's our cue to go on to the next question of Rundat, and that is the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment. So I guess I can kind of start off. Obviously, the biggest surprise to me is how the New York Knicks are still holding on to a playoff spot in March. I know for a fact that this is just a little bit of a talk honeymoon phase right now. Things are going to start to go down quite soon. We'll see what happens, but... I don't know. I'm solely not sold on the Knicks holding on to that playoff spot, but I got to give their flowers right now. They're in it. That's my biggest surprise. How about you? What's your biggest you know what? surprise? <laughs> you, you, took it, you took the words right out of my mouth, but we're not going to double down on this. This isn't a Knicks podcast. It's only half of a Knicks podcast. Um, but, you know, biggest surprise, yeah. I, I'm, if, if I can't choose the, uh, the Knicks, I'm going to go with the Charlotte Hornets. That team was destined for for failure, really. They kind of threw money out at Gordon Hayward like crazy. And, you know, they had LaMelo Ball, but really nothing else. And and they've proved, you know what, that they're here to compete. MJ might actually have, you know, a good team. Like, he's the best player of all time. Probably one of the worst front office guys in history. Like, it's not even close at this point. But, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball has the team playing well. Uh, you know, Gordon Hayward's doing his thing. Terry Rozier's doing his thing. They're in it. You know what? They they haven't been in the playoffs for for a little bit, so it's going to be exciting to see them them play. They're my second choice, but you know what? For the sake of argument, we'll we'll put them up there. Uh, definitely a, a huge surprise for me. Yeah, no kidding. I think we mentioned this even in our first episode when we talked about Charlotte Hornets and their inability to develop players at a high level, and not only to Lamelo Ball, but you're seeing guys like PJ Washington who happened to drop 40-plus points, I think, like two, three weeks ago. And you're looking at guys like Michael Bridges and and other players, and they're playing quite well, to say the least. And who knew that it would take, you know, drafting a playmaking point guard to change that entire landscape of the Charlotte Hornets. So that's definitely a big surprise, that's for sure. Man. Give him an identity. Yeah, you give him an identity, and and we'll see how things progress with the Charlotte Hornets. But again, they're they're already one of the most exciting teams to watch. Like 
they're a team that I can just drop everything and, you know, stream and, and watch the game end to end. So my my biggest disappointment this year happened to be the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I was really high on them in the beginning of the season, obviously, with with the emergence of Trey Young and, you know, John Collins and having a, a, a healthy Clint Capella was going to change things. And then, you know, signing Bogdanovich and bringing in guys like Gallinari, I thought that it provided a little bit of an offensive punch that the Atlanta Hawks were lacking, basically replacing a DeAndre Brembry and a Vince Carter with Gallinari and Bogdanovich. I mean, it's kind of like night and day at this point. And I was really focused on them, you know, getting into the middle of the pack in the East, you know, the six, seven mark. And they have been nowhere close to it. And granted, Bogdanovich has been hurt. Rondo has been out of the lineup, same with Gallinari. And I think uh, right now, uh, DeAndre Hunter is hurt as well. So the injury bug has hit them quite a bit. But again, no excuses. You know, for the most part, they did have their their personnel out there. And I expected them that they're going to be at least a team that would be a hard out in the first round, maybe challenging one of the top four teams in the East to a six or seven game series. But I don't know if they can even make the playoffs at this point. I mean, they're still hanging around and obviously the emergence of the Miami Heat into the thick of things doesn't really help their case. And if the Raptors are able to elevate themselves once again, they're going to be in trouble. So uh, Atlanta Hawks, definitely the biggest disappointment of this year. How about you? Yeah, they, they've, um, they've been playing well, recently they've gotten themselves back into that that playoff hunt but yeah they're definitely not playing as well I mean, you know what that that coaching change might be just what they needed uh i think if, if i'm not mistaken nate mcmillan is now their their interim head coach so eh, kudos to them too for for making that change yeah i, I think that lloyd pierce definitely deserved a, a lot more um but it is what it is and they and did him dirty bro they did him dirty they did him dirty i think i think they did him dirty but they you know what they need to make up for it, and in short order. So my biggest disappointment so far uh, has been the play of the New Orleans Pelicans. This is a team that last year during the bubble, you know, made it competitive for that last playoff spot. You thought, you know, Zion made a huge leap this year. I think Zion's playing incredible basketball right now. They brought in uh, Steven Adams to kind of uh, make things easier for him down low. Yeah, they traded away Drew Holiday, but they brought back Eric Bledsoe, and that actually led to the emergence of Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball's been playing really well. Uh, you know, his three-point clip has been much improved. Uh, maybe he might be watching his brother over there in, in Charlotte uh, just cooking up. So, But they're not doing well enough. I believe they're 17-22. and 22. They're outside the playoff hunt right now. Uh, they, you know, they have a lot of talent too. You know, they got guys like Josh Hart. They got Brandon Ingram. They got, you know, uh, young guys like Jackson Hayes. And it's for, for me, it's weird that it's not gelling yet. And they brought Stan Van Gundy. Guys, people are forgetting Stan Van Gundy's a coach again. You know, yeah, and he he's he's a great coach, right? He he led the Orlando Magic before to the NBA Finals and. They should be playing a lot better than they are. So the fact that they're on the outside looking in is definitely disappointing, especially considering how well Zion's playing. Yeah, no kidding. I totally forgot about the Pelicans and, you know, the high expectations they had coming into the season, you know, bringing in a new face. Although I did realize that maybe challenging for Zion, considering that being a rookie heading into a sophomore year with a completely different coach, because remember, last year, he didn't really get his legs underneath him and learning a playbook under Alvin Gentry, and then all of a sudden, the quick switch to Stan Van Gundy, 
um, that's going to be challenging. But so far, he's been playing quite well, and it, it clearly shows. But the rest of the team, however, hasn't been very inconsistent and is quite disappointing, to say the least. So uh, I really want to see Zion make his way, make his first appearance in the playoffs. I thought it was going to be the, the year of the first where he got his first All-Star appearance, perhaps even a first, you know, all NBA, maybe third team, perhaps, who knows? Like, I thought he was going to elevate it to another level, and I kind of want to see him play in the playoffs, but we'll see what happens, and I don't know um, if New Orleans can turn it around to get to at least the play-in tournament, but I doubt it. Yeah, they're for, they're uh, they're about two games back right now of the playoff play-in tournament, so not out of the not out of the realm of possibilities, but definitely they need to start picking it up soon. That, like we've always said, every year the West is a bloodbath, and you gotta you gotta make up the ground very fast. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So our last point of run that is bold hot take prediction for the second half. So I'm gonna bounce that over to you. Give us your hot take. Ooh, okay. So you know. There's, you know, you have about a a half of of a season, you know, worth of evidence and and things to go off of, and you're kind of looking at the standings right now. And there's going to be a lot of moving around. I'm not going to make a prediction on the standings, rather, but I'm going to make a prediction that no NBA superstar will be traded at the deadline. I don't think that's considered a hot take by any stretch, um, but given like you know the COVID situation and the salary situation and you know, just some of the guys who are looking, who we're looking at as trade targets. I don't think it really makes sense for a lot of teams to to shelve out a lot of you know capital for some of these guys. You're talking about, you know, Bradley Beal who's on on contracts for a couple of years. You have Victor Oladipo who's a free agent next year. You have Andre Drummond who you know uh, who will probably get moved, but maybe not in a trade, maybe in a buyout. So we talk a lot about the trade deadline, and I'm sure we're probably going to dedicate some time to it next week before the uh, the deadline actually happens. But uh, I don't think any huge name gets traded uh, at the deadline this year. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. And again, considering how tight the cap is and obviously the COVID season, I feel like it's really tough to maneuver any kind of massive deals between teams, especially during the trade deadline. So We'll see, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we see some crazy situations like every year, you know, that's the reason why I turn on my notifications from Wolves and Shams every trade deadline season. We'll see what happens with that, but I don't really have a bold hot take prediction for the second half considering how weird the season has been. We're seeing teams that shouldn't be in the playoffs and we're seeing some teams that should be in the playoffs that are outside looking in. If it had to come down to it, I might make a hot take that the Boston Celtics might be in trouble with the playoffs. If they don't add or acquire a big, I feel like there's going to be something that will go wrong where either they might be on the bubble of losing the playoff spot or getting bounced out in the first round. So that's my hot take. I don't believe in the Boston Celtics. I mean, I know I do understand that most of their struggles was due to the fact that um, Marcus Smart has been absent from the lineup and he's a critical piece of their defensive identity and uh, the three-point shooting as well. I don't know. Just Boston's been struggling with bigs, right? If they don't acquire anyone that can hold down the fort, I don't believe Trishan Thompson is going to help them in the first round or Daniel Tice to say the least. Yeah, Boston Celtics, I don't. I frankly just don't believe in them, period. Oh, you know what? They, they might be in danger of slipping to that eighth seed and having to play for their lives in that play-in game and 
we, we've only seen one season of playing games, so you never know. Boston might be in trouble, which you love to see it. Right. That ends our run that segment. Let's head on over to AO moment of the week. AO, what the f***? My AO moment of the week goes to a certified clown who thinks that a Call of Duty party chat language is still appropriate in 2021. And that clown is Myers Leonard of the Miami Heat. He was on a live stream playing Call of Duty when he blurbed out a derogatory term, which I will not repeat. And he decided to not only deny it, but like he just doubled down on what he said, stating that he did not know what the word meant. And frankly, this kind of casual ignorance is quite dangerous. You had an avenue to own up to your mistakes and make amends with the offended party, but you happen to just double down by saying that you don't know what it means. And to me, it's just not a good look, especially now. And uh, as a result, the league happened to suspend him from league activities for about a week, I believe, and slapped him with a fine of 50K. Again, this is just a walking example for those goofs who get caught being a bigot or simply doing something stupid. Just simply own up, apologize, rather than doubling down. Clowns, man. I don't know about you. You know what? I had another AO moment of the week, but I'm going to double down on your AO moment of the week because Let's go. that was the worst thing I've ever seen. It, like, first off, you got to understand. Listen, we understand we play Call of Duty. I play Call of Duty. I play video games. We you know we, we it gets heated, whatever. And there's a lot of children on there, though. And we're grown ass men who know not to swear, not to call people names. And more importantly, not to use like anti-semitic and racial racial slurs especially i'm not even a basketball player i'm i'm not my i don't have a twitch but i mean goodness like why do you not think twice about what you say in general let alone Mm -hmm. on twitch let alone as an athlete let alone in the public spotlight come on i don't buy that bs that he didn't know what it means come on Listen, it's a it's a very well known slur. I'm, I mean, we're not going to repeat it either, but I mean, don't say words you don't know. Then how about that? Maybe start there. You know, <laughs> if, you've, if you yeah, stick to your vocab, vote, stick to your vocab. If you don't know what a word means, don't use it. Why? You, like you clearly had an idea of what it meant. So I don't buy his apology. It was just so dumb. And you know, you can maybe look at the idea that you know, because he stood for the anthem that the two might correlate who knows a lot of talk has been since since Myers Leonard uttered that word but yeah ao man like come on like you don't make those mistakes for you shouldn't make those mistakes as a human being secondly you shouldn't make them as an nba player so he's suspended for now uh i wouldn't be surprised if he he doesn't come back anytime soon i wouldn't be surprised if miami tries to to trade him i mean hey utah has a bunch of racists in the crowd maybe maybe he'd fit in in utah i'm kidding utah all right, let's let's pull back a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, just unbelievable. Like you can't you can't be doing that, man. Yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate. Like you said, just a grown man doing just ridiculous, stupid things. If you actually look at the footage, it was very reactive. Only so, reactive. So he had intent behind his words. So honestly, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to give him a pass. Uh, you know, he's suspended for now. I think he should stay that way. And come on, just like learn, like you know, be careful, like. Un, like be respectful understand people understand you know sensitivities and just don't use words like that don't use bad words like it's not hard guys <laughs> exactly so yeah so he's our certified AMO of the week so let's head on over to games of the week i love this game <laughs> 
So my game of the week has a lot of potential to be a game that goes down to the wire. You got one team who is still looking to prove that they're able to take the next step in the right direction as a franchise. And then you got a championship contender who's trying to impose their mark across the league. We got a game this Saturday, March 20th, between the Charlotte Hornets and the LA Clippers. I'm really looking forward to see what LaMelo Ball can do against several elite wing defenders in PG and Kawhi. He's been awfully exciting to watch, and I'm really looking forward to see how things go. What is your game of the week? Ooh, that that is a good one for sure. I'm going to go with uh, March 17th. We're going to have the Clippers and the Mavericks. Uh, you know, we saw their their playoff battle last year, and Luka Doncic with that that sweet buzzer beater in, in the bubble, and uh, yeah. you know, both teams have not really you know come to play. I mean, relatively speaking, obviously they're both in the playoff hunt. The Clippers are a top four team in the West, uh, but they they both leave a little bit more to be desired. And I'd like to see, you know, if they're going to step up at some point and, you know what, you got to step up against competition too. So those guys are going to have, they're going to rehash that rivalry a little bit. We're going to see them compete against each other. And maybe it's a preview for the playoffs this year. Again, like, gosh, I can't, like, I'm so excited for the playoffs. So any matchup that could potentially be a, playoff matchup is one that i always have my eye on so uh that's my that's my game of the week yeah no doubt and then hopefully having a a healthy kp so just to kind of see where things go obviously he did play majority of that series but again like you mentioned just seeing flashbacks of potential series uh, that's been played in the past as well as potential series that we're going to see in the future it's always exciting to watch so really looking forward to both these games all right so let's head on over to our last segment blog boy talk so all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? So we got one question, and that question is, where do you think LaMarcus Aldridge will go? So I'll go ahead and start thinking about this. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, with the scenario that he has with the San Antonio Spurs, clearly it hasn't worked out. And... They're working towards trading him to another franchise. However, I don't think teams are going to be inclined to taking in his $25 million expiring contract other than two teams that I have in mind. One is Boston Celtics. Clearly, they have a need at the, at the five spot. Having someone who can shoot the ball can play somewhat defensively, but although they do have defensive bigs if they really want to play that 1A, 1B in that position... But they just need so, some offensive production from the five spot. And clearly, Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson ain't it. So Boston does have that, I believe, 25 or $26 million trade exception with Gordon Hayward of last season that they can uh, absorb that contract and make a push. So Boston is a good example of that. Another one would be the Miami Heat. They've shown clear interest in acquiring LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, having... Bam Adebayo being that playmaking big, playing that Draymond Green role, and then having LaMarcus Aldridge being able to automatically hit the mid-range game and potentially stretch out to the three-point line could definitely complement each other. So my two options are Boston and Miami. How about you? You know what? Those are two options that I had in mind because they're both realistic. They both fit a need. Uh, But I'm going to go with the nostalgia here, and I'm going to say he reunites in Portland with the Blazers. Uh, you know, they they have a need over there for power forward. He knows that city well. He knows those fans well. Uh, they're playing really well right now. They're probably, out of those three teams that you mentioned, probably the best suited to win a championship right now. They're doing all this without C.J. McCollum. So you put him back in, and, you know, it's 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 going to be a lot 
sort of smoother sailing and you know Aldridge never really played with a with a team like this. I mean, you know, you had him on that, you know, Brandon Roy Portland Trailblazers team, but you know, you you never really saw him get to really play with McCollum and and Lillard and you know, now you know, you have other guys there who can, you know, Robert Covington and and they're really they're building a deep team and I think power forward could be of course a position that they can upgrade and I think he would enjoy going back to Portland uh and I'd love to see it because I don't think he hit his full potential there in Portland. And I think, you know, he deserves one more run at it, you know, to, to win a championship. And uh, yeah, Portland Trailblazers, make the call guys. Like, I want to see it happen. Let's, let's get, let's get silly, man. Let's get weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, uh, I do like that Cinderella story of him coming back to the Portland Trailblazers, but what I'm struggling to grasp here is, you know, the log jam of bigs that the Portland Trailblazers have, you know, with Nurkic and Ennis Cantor and, you know, I'm not sure if Zach Collins will be back this year. They have, you know, a plethora of bigs that I don't know if it's worth having that exchange. Maybe Ennis Cantor, I can see, you know, them, you know, parting ways with. But I think Nurkic is light years better than LaMarcus Aldridge. So if I were the Trailblazers, I like my chances playing with Nurkic than LaMarcus Aldridge. But again, they were able to maybe shed one of those bigs. You know, perhaps Ennis Cantor out for LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, that's just the rich get richer, I guess. But uh, I like Nurkic better than LaMarcus Aldridge. So I can, you know, I can see that being a Cinderella story, but I don't know if it's going to be realistic for the Portland point of view. Yeah, they'll probably have to get rid of some some salary to, to, to take him on if he's not bought out. But it, it might be a, you know what, an, a risk worth taking. Aldridge can still get it on offense. Uh, he's going to help. Damian Lillard spread the floor and I mean would you not want Aldridge over you know Ennis Cantor for all love for Ennis Cantor great guy great philanthropist great player but come on Marcus Aldridge just he's not done yet you know his uh his his demise has been greatly exaggerated so uh, I'd love to see it oh if he's okay with coming off the bench then that's absolutely amazing for Portland I just didn't know his expectation like coming to another team saying hey I'm still good enough to start you know, and then caused a little bit of havoc within the locker room. I thought it was going to be something like that. But if you're talking about Ennis Cantor for LaMarcus Aldridge straight up, like that's that's a no-brain. LaMarcus Aldridge is clearly light years better, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So with that said, like if that's the case, then so be it. But if it comes down to Nurkic, Nurkic is my guy at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, got to go with Nurk. I love him. He's he's definitely much improved, too. And he's a young guy, so you don't want to ship off a, a young guy for an older player. But you know what? In the pursuit of a championship, anything is possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible! All right, so that wraps up our blog boy talk and also wraps up our episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG and Game Point Pod underscore. We are both on Spotify and Apple. Add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. Yasin, is there anything you want to add before we take off? Rulius Jandal. Someone will come up with the t-shirt. I will gladly wear it. Yeah, we're going to start developing like a, like a merch store, you know, with all our uh, key phrases and, and words that we make up just to make sure that, hey, you know, like, let's, let's monetize off this. Why not? Big baller brand, baby. Let's go. Yeah, you gotta call Lavar for that one. That's for sure. Uh, hey, maybe we get a, maybe we get a shout out for Lavar Ball. That's that's probably something that we gotta do. That's the goal, Lavar. If you're listening, you're probably not listening. But it, you know what? At some point, we will get you to listen, and we will get you on. You will we will interview you. 
and you know get sponsored by BBB. I mean, I don't know how well they're doing in sales right now, but I mean, you know what? We'll we'll take it. Oh wait, I think I think we got Lavar Ball on the line. Hey, this is Lavar Ball. If you want to be a big baller, go listen to Game Point Pod. Never lost. Yo, wow. Man, LeVar Ball's our guy, man. I really appreciate it, man. But that anyway. was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> LeVar, thank being... you so much. <laughs> much appreciated. With that being said, we'll end it off. That's game.